off the ball rugby. If New Zealand win that, put the second team out against South Africa, would you do that? I would actually. And we finish second. Would you, honestly? I want to play New Zealand, not France. Join in the obsession. Subscribe now at offtheball.com forward slash join. Off the ball daily. And this is Off the Ball Saturday News Talk. John Duggan with you three to five. The Saturday panel this week is with thanks to L'Oreal. Give your skin the power to age better with the power age range of hyaluronic acid products. Now, we're all excited about the Rugby World Cup starts next Friday, France against New Zealand. After a year, which has seen Ireland win a test series in New Zealand, beat the world champions in Africa, clinch a grand slam, ascend to the number one in the world ranking. Hopes are high. That might be a bit different this time after nine Failed tournaments in ways, you could say, quarterfinal exits, I suppose. We expect that we might be getting to semifinals and finals at some stage, maybe winning this thing. I do think we can win this. So we're delighted to preview the tournament with three former Irish internationals over the next hour who've graced the world stage. First of all, in studio, delighted to have the former Leinster and Ireland prop, Mike Ross. Mike, how are you? Good. Thanks for having me on, John. And you were telling me off air there that you're you're doing a bit of work with... Um, discipline and disciplinary panels in rugby. And that sounds very interesting, especially given the whole, obviously, scrutiny that's going to be around decisions at this World Cup. Yeah, um, I, about, about three three years ago, I became a judicial officer. So I'm on one of the wings on the panel of three that sits in judgment on red cards and disciplinary issues. So it's been quite an opening eye-opener into you know the workings of how that, how that goes and what the decision-making process is and what they're looking for. And you know, quite enjoyed it really, um, because there isn't a lot of ex-players yeah. involved. In it. There's a few, but you know, I think we need to get some more into it. To be honest, to give that player's perspective, give yes. the player's perspective that so lived experience as absolutely. And so, when you look at the Owen Farrell um, issue, because there was just confusion, I think, for the general public who don't know the nuances of this. That one panel said, "No, that was kind of run by the Six Nations." That. Um, it wasn't a red card and they rescinded it. And then another panel came in after appeal by World Rugby and decided what it was and he'll serve a ban now. Do we need to maybe clear up the ambiguity around decisions or do you think that actually the bunker review, these things will get into a fluid uh, situation where they start working? I think the bunker review is a good idea, first of all, uh, because nobody wants to have the game slowed down for yes. five minutes while the referee looks at a few replays and then you take the crowd influence out of it then too. So the guy in the bunker can look at it without, you know, um, a lot of booing or jeering yes. from the crowd. With regards to Andy Farrell's decision, Owen, look, or Owen, sir, Owen, yeah, obviously Owen. With Owen Farrell's decision, um, it's tough, you know. Um, like there's a lot of criticism, but like I never knew Australians to do English guys a favour, you know. So <laughs> yeah. there was an Australian panel, yeah. looking at, it, and it just showed there. It's very fine margins in this, right? So one inch lower, you're fine. An inch higher, you're not. So yeah, look, it is ambiguous, but then rugby can be a bit of an ambiguous sport, you know. I mean, little, little, very fine margins make all the difference. Do you think there'll be clear directives given to the players and the coaching staff? This is what you can, can't do now in this World Cup. You don't think there'll be any grey areas around the country? Uh, look, there, there always is clear yeah. areas, you know. I mean, you, you hit here, you're fine. You hit up here, you're not. Yeah. You know, but um, rugby is such a dynamic sport that you can go in with the best will in the world to not make a high hit and it happens. Bit, bit off. Yeah. You? Your and movement, the, yeah. Yeah, because, you know, there's so many moving parts to it. Marcus Horan, how are you? Good, John. Good to see you. Good to see you, Mike. Hey, Marcus, how are you doing? And Alison Miller, how are you? I'm good. How are you, John? Yeah, good, good. Good to speak to you both. We're all yes. World Cup veterans here, apart from myself. Um, Marcus, your experience in World Cups will start in 03, because 20 years ago, we were only eight years pros. So did you feel that tournament that Ireland had a road to travel, I suppose? 
Yeah, a little bit. It was a um, great experience, I have to say. I I was kind of new with the, into the system. Um, and it was like, just to get the call that you were going was just amazing. And obviously, going to Australia was a brilliant place to go. But I suppose having, having been to another World Cup afterwards, you see how far Ireland came in that space of time. Um, and I think even now when you see the preparation that I have, 20 years later going to France, um, it, it's a completely different, um, you know, map that they've been to get there. And, you know, going and playing uh, in which you mentioned at the start of the programme uh, and winning, I think those kind of, that kind of preparation is really, really important. I mean, our our preparation for, for that was going to Tonga and Samoa, you know, and, you you know, you want to get prepare yourself. So the, the, the whole outlook way we prepare compared to maybe 20 odd years ago is very very different and, and I think it shows you how far our struggle has come. Yeah we'll just uh, maybe just have a look at your line there Marcus for a moment and we'll come back to you. Uh, Alison your experience was was really good at the World Cup I suppose when you look back at 2014. Yeah that was a really really good World Cup and it was a pity because the time I remember coming home from being really really disappointed and I think if you had the insight that you had then and we've you know three years later to knocked get out of our group in 2017 like it's only then I realized how well we'd done in 2014 but um yeah our preparation for 2014 was just top class and everything that we did and our management made it like made it so easy for us to succeed because we were obviously uh working full time so when we came into camp at the weekends we got a lot of work done and we had great people involved and I think probably unfortunately 2017 the preparation wasn't as good even though things have kind of moved on in terms of we were under high performance but um yeah it just it just wasn't probably as we probably didn't approach it the same way obviously different management and everything but uh yeah like it's interesting i was probably physically and probably more skillful and in better shape in 2017 but in 2014 i think um as a team we just pre- we performed a lot better so two different contrasting um world cups for me and it's really only when you go to one you realize how well you did in the first one really you know absolutely Mike uh, when you think back to say 2011 and 2015 um, does it feel different playing in a World Cup match say to a a Six Nations Championship decider or do they feel pretty similar in terms of pressure uh, no you're, you're like World Cup is a different beast you know you're very conscious you're playing in the World Cup you know for one thing you're playing teams you might usually play like um, in 2011 we played you know likes of the USA and yeah. Russia and we never really really play those guys that often you know yeah. and you also know the history's hanging over you too because you, you know you want to get past the quarterfinal you want to you know break that uh, hoodoo so it, it is something it's, it's, it, and you're in camp all the time too there's no going home in between like in 2011 we're down in New Zealand in 2015 we're over in England so you're with this group of guys uh, for at least six weeks you know in a fairly high pressure environment is that easy to manage? Oh, you're used to it. I mean, yeah. you've you've done it in Six Nations camps yeah. and that kind of way. But, um, yeah, it, it does take a bit of a adjusting too. But it's some also some of the best time you'll have. You know? Did you room with anybody? Yes, I, I I usually end up at Tom Court actually. Right. Okay. Yeah, he was. Or sometimes I get Sean Cronin. Um, but yeah, usually usually myself and Tom because they were quite. I, th- I think when they're making the rooming arrangements, they try and put guys together who they know get on or yeah. are similar. 
So in 2011, 2015, it's interesting because in 2011, we beat Australia in the pool stage and in 2015, we beat France. But is there maybe a bit of a false sense of security? Should we worry too worried about how we get out of the pool in this World Cup as long as we get out of it? Yeah, look, it, it's, I mean, everyone's talked about the draw and how, how the cards stack up. So, you know, if you get to the quarter final, you're either playing, you know, New Zealand or France, you know, pick your poison. Um, but, you know, if, if I look back... Probably 2011 was more disappointing World Cup that we played in because it was quite well set up for us to get to at least a semi-final. You know, because we beat Australia and then beat Italy the following week and we'd Wales up and, like, we play Wales all the time and, you know, we have a pretty good record against them. You know, they're probably... <coughs> and, you know, Wales got their tactics right in the day and we didn't. We got caught. Yeah. Yeah. They, they uh, Lydia chopped everything. They went down his channel and... Um, they scored a few sucker punches. I mean, I think it was it Mike Phillips went up the blind side. Yeah, scored a try. Shane Williams scored a good try. So that was definitely the one that got away. I Must think. have been a very tough dressing room. Yeah, after. wasn't great. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you see it coming? No. Yeah. No. Well, we, Did you know during the game? Oh my God, this is going. This is going wrong. Yeah, yeah. You have to think. But yeah, like we put. I think we pulled it back level at one stage. Yeah. So again, we thought we we're going to be um, okay. Right, we've got that out of the way. We're going to do it now, and we didn't. Yeah. Uh, 2015, I mean, if you look at the amount of injuries we got and and suspensions after the win against France, it like took the heart out of the team a bit. You know, Paulie, last game for Ireland was against France and just before halftime he blew out his hamstrings at a ruck or someone blew him out for him. Um, you know, Shawnee because he punched Pape was always a bit of a bollocks. <laughs> but anyway, excuse, excuse, excuse the language. Excuse, yeah. Um, and, you know, who else was who else was gone? Uh, that Johnny. Johnny, Johnny went off and if you, you take those ca- kind of calibre of players out of yeah, a team yeah. I mean we we had some good guys stepping in but you know they were leaders as well So do, how do you feel we're equipped then in terms of strength and depth now for this World Cup are we much better off than we were in 15? I think so yeah yeah I I, I, I mean if you look I've been really impressed with you know how Farrell has managed the squad and it's not just you know the, the tactics is the man management you know everyone seems really happy been talking to some of the guys who've been in camp and usually World Cup build-ups um, the pre-season is miserable like it's really tough you know de- depend- depending on um, you know, what the S&C guys have targeted this one seems a bit more you know I won't say relaxed but um, targeted so it's two hard blocks and then an easy block so I think they'll be in a good spot or not an easy block but a less hard block so I think they'll be in a good spot coming to the first couple of games they won't be exhausted or heavy legged or overtrained. Alison when you look at this Irish squad and Andy Farrell and uh, the strength and depth how do you see the where we are strong and where we're weak in terms of all the positions of the team? Uh, just not, I think we're we've got good depth but I think in terms of maybe like France and South Africa we're not we haven't got depth across like you know, compared to them. But I think if you look at someone like uh, Keenan at 15, I think, you know, Jimmy O'Brien is a very capable player, but probably doesn't have, you know, the experience of maybe other positions coming in. Um, obviously, like at Hooker, we've got three very good players, but um, we probably don't know when Sheen is ready. Hopefully, he'll be ready by South Africa. Um, hopefully, Keller is good to go, but... In terms of, you know, very strong, the three players, obviously, across the board, it'll be very strong. But in terms of injuries, we don't really know where we are. Um, 
think we've got quite a strong centre partnership and I think Aki's playing very well it might free out Henshaw maybe to cover 13 which allows Ring Rose to, to cover um, the wing if we need him but um, let me have a look at the positions here and see um, yeah I think obviously 10 is you know the big one really like we've we've got Sexton and hopefully he'll he'll start that Romania game get a few minutes under his belt for you know for his lungs and legs but um obviously this has been a long kind of talked about issue that depth of 10 but I think you know I think as an Irish team we do have depth but I think we need luck to fall our way as well in terms of this championships like um we need a little bit more luck than maybe the South Africans and France in terms of our depth so uh, we're in a good position um, and we have the players to come in and do to, to perform you know um, I suppose the fringe players but I do think we need a little bit more luck in terms of our injury profile going forward through the competition Marcus we have you back there now does the team pick itself for you? Um, not really I think there's a lot of um, there's a lot of competition there I think we've got to see how Johnny fires with the first game back but I think I'm delighted that Jack Crowley has had big game opportunities like the URT final away from home in South Africa South African team so those kind of things I think um, those experiences young players have had throughout the season with their clubs is invaluable to to um, to the Irish setup and um yeah, I, I just think guys are putting pressure on 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 each other in in positions and in key positions, and and I think that's what you need going into um, big games is is having a selection headache for for the coaches. Yeah, so where do you see the marginal positions? Where do you see the the, the huge competition for places then, Marcus? Yeah, like I think as Alison mentioned, the centre partnership there, and I'm just wondering what combinations is it going to be? Do you pick your best player right through the, 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 the competition or what combines well and actually what goes well against the opposition? Because I think Gary Rickford is incredible. Um, but then you've got Henshaw and Aki fighting, fighting out and McCluskey as well. Do you go horses for courses with big guys against big teams? Um, and that's a great thing to have. I think those guys are, are, are really important in, um, in, in providing different different parts to Ireland's game and 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 I think you know even though a guy one of those guys might play really well in a game he may not start in another one just because of the opposition they're up against and that's the beauty of the way Ireland play they adapt they change they have certain moves that that may work against certain oppositions and I think that's that's the key to to maybe trying to um unlock certain certain uh, certain teams they come up against Sheffield United 2, Everton 2 in the Premier League, uh, by the way, Everton have equalised. So in, in terms of the backup for Andrew Porter, who, to be fair to Marcus, does play a lot of minutes. Um, Keen Healy, obviously very unlucky to be out. And it'll be up to um, Dave Kilcoyne and Jeremy Lockman now to step up if they get the chance. Yeah, it's a tough one. Look, I, I, it's, it's probably important to mention Keen. I think he's just been an incredible servant to, to, to Irish rugby and to Leinster rugby. It's... Uh, I was away on holidays watching that game and to see him limp off the way he did. I, I suffered calf injuries myself and uh, you just knew straight away by his reaction it wasn't great. So, you know, you wish him well and hope he recovers well and gets back in that Leinster jersey. But he's a huge loss. I think 
not just as a player, but you know, even just around the camp, his experience is is huge. But it is, as you said, an opportunity for two guys. And Jeremy Lockman, I think, was maybe unlucky initially to be dropped out of that that um, training squad earlier in the summer. Um, he had a great campaign with Munster. I think you know he's he's someone that Munster really trusts now, and he's put massive pressure on Kilcoyne. So there's a good battle there for the two of them, and that's you know it's probably. You know, Porter's a shoe in there, but you know to have that battle going on underneath, I think, is really, really important, and it's going to help the the the, the team as well. You know, we were speaking to Mike Ross just a few moments ago, Marcus, uh, about preparation and that kind of thing. I suppose when you look back in 07, it just didn't go your way at all. Are, are there do's and don'ts around the World Cup in terms of these are the things we can learn from, and maybe that Andy Farrell himself, who's been in the World Cup as a player in 07 and was beside Joe Schmidt four years ago, that we can take into this tournament. So we don't make any excuses after the tournament around um, the way we were set up. It'll, like, it'll be just by all the only excuse we'll want to make is we were beaten by a better team in the day. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I, I was actually talking to someone about that the other day, and I just said you could take that. If you're beaten by the better team, no matter where it is in competition, and that's unfortunate for us. We could meet that better team earlier than a quarter final or earlier than a semi final or final. Um, but but the preparation thing, the 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 France in you know, 07 was a difficult one for us. And I think you have to go back and look at things that you do differently. And I think this preparation, there's no doubt in their the rugby knowledge, the rugby uh, the management of of the technical side of things. It's it's top quality. I think the other stuff they've done, the off field stuff. The inclusion of family and 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 uh, in the preparation and bringing family in, um, allowing guys time and time away and and getting back home, um, you know the fact is you know you're going to France and maybe including any family that comes out there as well. It makes it an awful lot easier. I, I felt in 07 we were very isolated. We were in Bordeaux. We were in a very hotel kind of in an industrial estate. It was just you know badly selected. I think. Um, but that's that you know that doesn't take from the fact that we just didn't perform on the pitch either. But you have to get all those ingredients right, and I think the the um, the management are very good at seeing the bigger picture because they they put a huge amount of work in together, and that downtime and that inclusion of family I think has been really really important. I've even seen it with Ron Nogar with La Rochelle how important family is in preparation for games and being able to lean back on that. When, when you're trying to motivate players. And I think um, that's another nice ingredient they've added to it this this year and hopefully it'll work. But I quite like Mike Ross about Andy Farrell is uh, he seems to embrace adversity when he's talking about well, the Samoa game. Well, that's exactly what we needed. Or if, or if somebody gets injured, look, we just have to get on with it. Um, maybe he's mentally saying to everybody, you're going to have moments where it's going to be touch and go in a World Cup. And we saw that down in New Zealand. It could have gone either way in the Test Series, but we were able to come back from the defeat in the first game and win the series, a historic win. Yeah, and like it's all about how you we, how we frame things. you know. So if you, if you think back to the Scottish game and the Six Nations and we'd Josh van der Fleer throwing into the line-out you know, and then Keane Healy coming on a hooker. And the guys were laughing in the dressing room at halftime about the, the ridiculousness of the situation, which I think is actually the perfect reaction. You know, um, yeah, he seems to be really good at the mental side of things, and it's not really a surprise because if you look at his history, like he was like captain of Wigan at the age of eighteen yeah. or nineteen, and had a child when he was very young, yeah, and so you had, had to grow child, up really yeah, quickly, really quickly. So, you know, he's um, 
I had a brief experience of him at the tail end of my career, you know, and I really liked him. I liked what he was about, and he was a big man for, you know, be showing your enthusiasm in defence, you know. So even if you're tired, still be bouncing on the balls of your feet, ready to make a tackle. And, uh, you know, now that he's head coach, he's, he's clearly evolved his philosophy, and but taken the, the base of it and brought it on. And, uh, yeah, I, I, every, everything I hear from the guys in camp, it's a happy camp. They really enjoy it. They're really looking forward to the challenge. And Johnny Sexton, look, is he the difference between this going really, really good for us or not? Or, or, or do you feel that we just have to, are we able to find a way with Adam? I think he's going to be a significant influence, yeah. I mean, the, always a problem with rugby is just as become, you become an expert in your field, you have to retire. You know, so the longer you can hang, hang on to ex- experience and expertise, I mean, you, you look look at Byrne and Crowley behind him, you know, um, as Mark was saying, I th- think Jack Crowley's really come on the last year or two. Um, that monster experience has done world good. Byrne has a solid end to the season too, you know. So it's been the guys. The guys are there, but I don't think they're quite at Johnny's level yet. So I would hope that he stays fit and healthy for the duration of the tournament. Is this the on-field coach aspect of it? Yeah. Well, just you know, the experience of seeing things or instinct or you, you've 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 played this scenario a thousand times before. So you instinctively know what to do, and when you're younger and you're learning your trade, it takes a bit longer to get that. But once you get it, then it can be the difference between you know spotting a hole in the defense and putting a crossfield kick in or missing it. You know, so that's that's the kind of defined margins at the top end. Did you get um his? Uh, would you've heard him a lot when you're playing with him? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. absolutely. You know he was. He's always a very powerful character in the dressing room and, you know, strong-minded, strong-willed, which is precisely what you want in your out half. I mean, I'm sure Marcus, you know, Rog was exactly the same. You know, I had a bit of experience with him and they're kind of peas out of the same pod, really. Yeah. And that's, but that seems to be, if you make it to the top as an out half, it seems, seems to bring out those kind of characters. Alison, how do you see the number 10 dynamic with Johnny and with the potential replacements for him, either maybe to start against Tonga or Romania, um, well, I expect Johnny to start against Romania, but even coming on for the last 10, 15 minutes. Well, Jack Crowley and Vern, they're very different type of players. So I suppose it depends on what the management want to do. But like you, you, Johnny needs to start against Romania because he's obviously missed those warm-up games. I need to get him up to speed. Um, like what Marks was saying earlier, like, you know, horses for courses and different players will doing different kind of styles. But... Um, yeah, like it's a difficult one. I think Ross Byrne is a completely different player to Crowley. I would see Crowley probably has a little bit more flair about him, but um, difficult one. I think my preference, and I'm not going to pick the team, would be Crowley. Um, I like what he's about, and I think he's got a lot of experience and he's shown his class against with, with Munster. Um, you know, Byrne has had his big moments too, and you know, like I think, you know, getting that vital penalty and when Andy Farrell kind of, kind of said he was the man for the job. I think, um, yeah, but I think Crowley would be my preference just for, I think, you know, in contrast um, to Johnny, I think he could bring something that you might need in a World Cup, and you need a bit of spark and you need a bit of flair. And I think, it just as we were talking about how Johnny has been in scenarios a thousand times and he knows what to do there's also because of his experience there's also that little bit of rawness from a player like Crowley that you know might be willing to do something a little bit different but I think 
you might need that as well to get over the line at times, but that, that'd be my preference. <laughs> That's not why I'd be in management. <laughs> uh, making those big decisions, but that, that'd that be, like, I like what he's about. And I think, you know, you got to play, you might have to take those risks to, 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 to get there. And I think we need a little, as I said, I think we, like, we're in a really good position. The rankings mean nothing to me. I don't care where we're ranked. This, you know, that doesn't mean anything when we come to World Cup, but... I think we need to, you know, you need to go for it in a World Cup too. and That would be my mentality, but I'm sure the lads maybe have different thoughts on it. Yeah, we'll get their thoughts after two o'clock. We're just going to take a break. Uh, Alison Miller on the Saturday panel with Mike Ross and Marcus Horn on the World Cup. If you want to get in touch, 53106, it costs a 30 cent. Sean and Sligo, our lads, would you go away? Every four years you talk before the World Cup, how well the prep is going. Then we fail and you're at it again. Judge the prep on the outcome after the World Cup. Winners write history and defo. In this case, we lose by point in a great game to eventual winners, even at the quarterfinal stage, then it's fine. Sean, it's a sunny day. Come on. It's September. We have to have a bit of enthusiasm. If you don't have enthusiasm for Rugby World Cup every four years, I don't know what we can have. Two all between uh, Sheffield United and Everton in the Premier League. So Everton took the lead through Abdullah Decore. Uh, Sheffield United with Cameron Archer equalising. Jordan Pickford then scored an own goal, made it 2-1 at half time. But Arnav Danjuma has scored for the Toffees in the second half to make it 2-2. You want to get in touch, Rugby question to Marcus, Mike or Alison, you can at 53106. We're back with more of our World Cup preview after this. And this is Off the Ball Saturday on News Talk with John Duggan until five. The Saturday panel this week is with thanks to L'Oreal. Give your skin the power to age better with the Power Age range of hyaluronic acid products. We're previewing the Rugby World Cup with Mike Ross in studio. Marcus Horn and Alison Miller are on the line, all former Irish internationals and players who played at the biggest stage at the World Cup. We start our campaign against Romania next Saturday. Um, Mike Ross, you were telling me off air that for a bit of fitness, you're doing jujitsu. Yeah, I took it up about two years ago. What is jiu-jitsu? For? It, it's um martial art. Came out of uh, the Brazilian variant. So jiu-jitsu came over to Brazil, I think, about 1900s. And there's this family called the Gracies who uh, picked it up and ran with it, essentially. So, um, you know, I got, a friend of Jack McGrath got me into it, actually. I was on, uh, out, out for a few drinks with Jack and I was chatting to his friend. And um, he wore the ear off me and said, I said, right, I'll come in. I'll come in, I'll do it. And I've been doing it for the past couple of years. It's been really good. So uh, how often would you train? Two or three times a week. Competitions and all that? No, no no interest in competitions, no. Uh, But yeah, it's it's been good. Um, I just actually got my blue belt back in June. So there's another three to go, but it generally takes you about 10 to 14 years to get your black. Right. it's, uh, It's quite involved, but I am very happy I found it. Marcus Horn, are you doing any jujitsu in Clare? Well, I'm not at Mike doing it anyway. I don't want to come across him. But, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it could be an Olympics in him yet. So, Marcus, are you doing anything? Would you? Uh, how do you keep fit these days and mind the body? Yeah, just just a gym at home, John. I, I I suppose during lockdown we kind of put a bit of a gym together here at home. Myself and my wife, and we we train we train a little bit here. Do a bit of running as well. So we a couple of. Um, 5Ks or 10K runs. Um, did the half marathon in Limerick there in May, so it was. Uh, it could be my last half marathon. I'd say after after that, it'll be down to 10Ks and 5Ks after that, and maybe on the bike, you know. Alison, you still PE teaching? I am, yeah. So on my feet all day, but like Mark's there, I ran two half marathons in July. Now very very slowly because 
and built for speed, not distance. So, um, I don't know, it was good to do it because it's really outside my comfort zone. Like, <laughs> so, oh, I don't know how anyone can do a full marathon. And then I don't know how people do Ironmans when they do a marathon after what they've just done. So, um, like that, I'd go to the gym, most try and get to the gym most days before school, um, before the day <laughs> wears you down. Yeah. And do you find that kids are uh, embracing PE more or less than they were? I have to say our kids in a Thai college are very good for P. They really like it. They love it. Um, they'll always be, and it, it'll always be when I was in school, you'll always have the kids that just don't like, <laughs> you know, they don't like uh, PE. But I think, like, if you're teaching the curriculum properly, every child gets an opportunity to do something, like, different. Like, you know, you've got dance and you've got gymnastics and you've got more freedom now. We've, we've got a new kind of... Um, approach where it's less about this the sport or the activity and kind of more about getting the kids to you know have a lifelong learning for activity and whatever that activity is so look um personally our kids are great and they do love it and um yeah like i think it's more trying to teach them that they will find something that they love and it doesn't have to be necessarily a sport it could be physical activity in a different sense so look that's kind of the most important thing that we get people active really there's so much out there like nowadays for people like you know there's so many opportunities to get involved in something so yeah fair play Jalison fair play Mike you're telling me um, you, 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 when you were in the front row you you, you kind of became was almost deconditioned to the, the pain or the, the physical challenge of it yeah it's like anything you do it repeatedly and you get conditioned to it um, yeah, I, I've I, I think, you know, people watch on TV and they see guys taking these big hits and then they extrapolate how they would feel after getting those hits. But actually, it's something your body gets used to it. You know, it's like anything. If, you, if you're if you taking hits in contact and training, you get used to it. And the flip side of that is when you stop, your body gets quite used to not getting hit anymore, you know. So I, I played a charity rugby match, I think, about two years ago. And it hurt a lot more than I remembered, you know. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Did you f- have fear going into the front row? You're saying you're in a World Cup game or a Six Nations game. Uh, was there a, a trepidation or was there a, I'm going to absolutely go for this now and buzzed up for this? A bit of both, you know. Yeah. You, you know you're going to go after your opposite number, but there's always the little worry that, what if, well, what if he goes, <laughs> you know, what if he's a bit has a good day against me, you know, yeah. so. Did you have a toughest opponent? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Tendai Matuara. Okay. Know, he was always... I, I always found it very difficult to deal with his, his, his power. A tendency to be able to switch on, you know, like a surge power just like that. Right. And whereas other guys are a bit more gradual, so you have a bit more time to adjust and deal with it. Whereas there'd be nothing there one second, and the next thing it'd be like a hydraulic ram, you know, coming out. Okay. You know. Marcus Horn, did you have anybody like that that you faced? Yeah, some tough ones. The man sitting beside you was, was always a tough one. Um, but I suppose there was a guy, De Villiers, that played for France. Uh, came across him a lot with Stade Francais back in the day. Um, he was South African originally, but played with France. But he's a, a really nice guy off the pitch. But he was he was tough and wasn't the biggest man, but just just very very strong, very very technically strong. And uh, always had tough battles with him. Julian White was another one that was a bit more rugged, a bit more. Bit, bit more old school. I had trouble with him over the years as well. But um, it's interesting here, Mike talking about that because my my daughter asked me about that only only the other day about about scrums. She said, "Did it hurt?" and uh, and I said, "I suppose it doesn't really hurt at the time because you're conditioned for it." But uh, the very same as Mike when you're watching it now and you're just kind of going, you're you're glad you're gone. I suppose I, I played in the day where 
you nearly had a run at it as well. It wasn't as controlled. Um, so I, I, I was kind of glad when the new rule came in where it was a touch and engage um, rather than, uh, you know, you could you could be two or three feet back and have a run at it. So um, it kind of it kind of balanced things out for me, I suppose, that being a smaller, smaller prop. But, um, you know, it's 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 another element of rugby, which I, I really admire is how, how it has evolved to become safer for 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 the for the players and um that's constantly happening as well i think which is great to see but yeah it is um i'm glad to be a spectator now these days watching the scrums so from that perspective then mike should there be maybe no fear then of these irish players you get to face in big packs to south africa france possibly in this tournament there won't be that much any fear look you know there's always fear of letting yourself down right you know um but i think if their preparation is as good as it has been and you know they they they, they go in you know, well, well, well prepared. Then it's not going to be too much fear there. You know, like for me personally, I always had a little bit of fear, and I think that was good for me, and that kept me, um, you know, kept kept me well prepared and made sure that I was focused. Uh, but certainly, you know, I mean, given the track record the last two years, that they, they should fear no one. The South Africa seven one thing, the split all the forwards. So what do you what do you make of this? Because we could face this in the pool storm match. in a teacup. I mean, it's high risk, high reward, right? If it works out for you, great. If your scrum half or your out half go down, then you're a bit goosed, you know. So, yeah, it's fine as long as as, as everything works out for you. But I, I think it's definitely been an over, some overwrought commentary around this, you know. Um, I, I have no issue with it whatsoever if they want to take that. Uh, if they want to go eight nil, that's fine. We all know Fords are superior rugby players anyway. So, uh. <laughs> Alison, who are you looking forward to seeing at this World Cup? Which players do we need to watch? Oh, good question. Well, an Irish perspective, I'm just looking forward to seeing Matt Hansen in his first World Cup. Yeah, I think he's a player that just does the right thing. Every, nearly nine times out of ten, he will always do the right thing. And um, like, obviously, he's a great story. We all know about his story and coming to Connacht and then playing for Ireland. And like his strike rate for Ireland, is, I think it's it's very good. And um, looking forward to seeing him on the biggest stage against the biggest players and, and what he can do and his flair. And you know, like he's a really really good playmaker as well. And like Andy Farrell, I'm talking about the the wingers here for a while now, um, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. You know, Andy Farrell likes those wingers to get off their wings and be untidy and make things happen. And he does that. Like James Lowe does it in a different way. But I'm, I'm just looking forward to seeing him in his first World Cup. Um, in terms, like, I don't know, I'm going to get over to the lads. I haven't really thought too much about it. Sorry for putting you on the spot, Alison. <laughs> no, you're all right. We have 18 players. Now. 18 players, Marcus, making their World Cup debuts for Ireland in this squad of 33. So who could have a breakout World Cup, Marcus? Who could surprise yeah, I think I think the likes of, of Jack Crowley is someone that, that is coming up an awful lot. And I think he's a guy that's not phased by big occasions. And I, I, I'd like to see him get the opportunities. And, or, or, you know, I think you mentioned it earlier on. Johnny is really, really important. He's just so important with regards to um, the direction the team go in. But I think he also, and he's the type of guy... I know that Wood as well is mentor those young out halves around him to be able to take up the mantle when when it when needs be. And I think you know you you need to be able to give those guys time, even though Johnny does need game time because of of his layoff. 
Um, it's to be able to, to to bring a guy on to be a finisher, to finish out a game. So the Jack Crowley, I think, would be a, a big one for me. Um, you know, it's difficult as well, and I probably, you know, I I, I think O'Brien is is really important as well. His versatility in the back line is really really important, and someone who could play an important part. I just thought, particularly, I think it was in the autumn internationals, the way he came in and looked like a guy that had been there for a long time. Just you know, whether it was kicking. Um, stepping up in in first receiver to 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 do re, uh, relieving kicks or whatever might have been, um, but that comes from being in the environment and being around guys like Johnny Sexton as well. So um, so O'Brien, I think Jimmy O'Brien is a, is a guy that I think could, even though he he may not start in games, I think he'll have a big influence. Um, you know, coming off the bench or or being part of a a, a versatile backline. You know, who do you see as the key players from? On our perspective, Johnny aside, it looks like Caelan Doris is having the f- time of his life the way he's playing at the moment. Yeah, I can't look too far past Caelan, you know, when he's on form, Ireland are on form. Um, Josh Vanderfleer, I'd see him go, go well, keep that form going that he did to win Player of the Year, you know, key part of it. And Gibson Park, you know, um, I think that that nine ten axis, you know, is critical to how we play. And if th- those elements are going um, well, then I think the team as a whole will be going well. It, like my pick for breakout player would be Joe McCarthy actually the second row yeah I really like how he plays the game now he's been a bit penalty prone you know but that's if he irons that bit out he brings a good level of aggression um, he's got thighs like tree trunks which is something I always like to see in a tight head lock and um, you know I, with the aggression and the Enthusiasm that he brings to it, I think uh, we we will be um, he'll go well for us in the future. So will it be a case of rook speed as we've seen the last couple of years and tempo and yeah, I I think when we keep the rook speed below you know below that that three second mark you know around the two point eight I think is when we're at our most dangerous and keep the defense guessing the little tip ons little passes behind the back you know those little elements of phase play that um, anyway we we saw it against England where there's a you know, bit back and forth, and then Pete goes through a hole, and then he puts Bundy in. You know, so yeah, I I think that 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 kind of interchange between forwards and backs has been a kind of key facet of Irish play, and you know, rock rock speed contributes massively to that. What about Scotland? Is there a danger of complacency? Are they a team that they're they're quite an attacking team, and if it all clicks for them, they they can be dangerous. Are are they something? I suppose the South Africa result will determine a lot about how we feel going into that one. Yeah, look, absolutely would absolutely respect Scotland. You know, um, Finn Russell's one of the best passing I'll have in the game. He's ways of you know turning it on, doing little moments of magic, and they're probably the strongest they've ever been going into World Cup. I know they lost um, Stuart Hogg uh, to retirement beforehand. I think it just was one World Cup too far, but you know they don't have some bad replacements in there either. Alison, how do you see our opponents? The ones that we know, for example, Scotland and South Africa, and maybe potential ones in the quarterfinal, France, New Zealand. How do I see them? I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Just how, how do you there. see the, the the challenge of our opponents in the pool, South Africa, Scotland, and then maybe oh, sorry. beyond that, France or New Zealand in the quarter? Yeah, like I think, you know, South Africa, obviously, they destroyed New Zealand the other day. And I think, like, we know what they're about. You know, they're a physical team, they'll kick. But I think... You know, I don't think Ireland. We can't. We we have to go and play against them, as Mike said. Keep their ruck speed high, um, play our tempo game, move the ball. When we played against them in 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 the autumn, I think 
the guys would even say we left some scores behind us and we did play our, we played that kind of I suppose we moved the ball a little bit more heads up and um, didn't you know get into a physical battle with them in the wrong times in the wrong places so I think um, you know they're obviously a team to watch and I think like they've got huge depth even outside of their 23 outside of their squad and the physicality and and even like as, as what you're talking about that 7-1 split but like in a way, like I suppose South Africa can look at their players and go, they've got players with a with a good skill set. They like they're former seven sevens players, so they might not be afraid to do take risks like that and and put players that you know they could potentially go into the back line. So look, you know, um, they're they're a good team, but I think we have to play our own game. And like I think, like if we fix our line out, our line out is kind of was poor against them all. And look, you can read it. You, you can't really read into that game. It, it was an unusual, I suppose, game. And the players knew they weren't playing in the World Cup. Some knew, didn't know they were playing in the World Cup. Samoa have have really, really improved. But I think Scotland are an exciting, exciting team. And I think the question marks about Scotland are always, can they be consistent throughout 80 minutes, but even could be consistent through a tournament? They've got really, really exciting players. Watch them a month ago. Um, and they look they look good, but the question marks around them are ca- can they be consistent and can they bring it for eighty minutes? Can they bring it for a tournament? And can they can control the game for them? Because like you know, people will talk about oh a lot of the the Scotland excitement is media hype. They have the players, and we're talking about you know Finn Russell like. You know, he can do crazy things, but he can also make magic moments happen. And he won't be afraid. There will be absolutely no fear with him to get to get his his team going. So, um, yeah, like I think for Ireland, it's going to, you know, results are going to. But I think we, Ireland have to have the mentality that we have to win every game. And like winning is a habit and we have to go for it. And I think the way the structure and the fixture suit us, they suit us absolutely fantastic we can play South Africa and we have a free weekend I think and then we can recover and go against Scotland but um, yeah like I think you know Scotland have, have good threats in their back line and we've got good players but consistency and um, yeah. can they bring it for a tournament is the big issue really with them we yeah. all know what South Africa can do the other thing is we can't take Tonga for granted you know I mean it's not a foregone no, no. I mean they've, they've got a lot of really good players back Pieto, uh, Fekatoa, Falau, you know, it's, they have a very dangerous backline. Um, they're they're going to cause people a lot of problems at the World Cup, I think. You know, I was watching some, they, they beat Australia A, you know, uh, who didn't have a bad team out, you know, so I think there's going to be, you know, um, they're going to surprise some people. Hopefully it won't be like uh, 07, Marcus, and maybe in Georgia when we uh, we were very sticky situations. France or New Zealand, Marcus, if we did get to the quarterfinals, who would you want? Um, yeah, France at home is is never easy. I, I think that's always going to be tough. I think, um, I, I think the fact that we're coming be coming off two games like South Africa and Scotland together, I think, uh, as Alison mentioned there, it's it's priming you for for those games. Um, I, you know, it'd be worse if you had a Romania in the last group game, but um. I, I, I think I'd rather get New Zealand because I think New Zealand are not the force they were um, 
Um, and I think they've taken a lot of hits over the last since since Ireland beat them on that on that tour. You know that defeat to South Africa in Twickenham um, two weeks ago or a week ago. Um, I'm sure has, has hit them badly as well. So um, they're they're gonna they're gonna find it tough even just playing um, their group games and just trying to get that morale up again. So I, I would take at the moment probably take New Zealand uh, yeah. ahead of France. Which players are you looking forward to seeing in the World Cup, Marcus? Yeah, it's funny. The Tonga situation, I think um, Malachi Fekitoa, I think just from a monster point of view, I just think uh, we saw the best of him towards the tail end of the season for Munster. I think he offers a huge amount. I'm excited to see him. It means a huge amount to him as a... As, as a as a, a, a good, proud Tonga man and, and his family. And I know he had a tough time when the storms were out there um, last year. Um, he's 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 very proud of where he's from. And, and I think um, it means a lot to him to be involved um, and go into a World Cup. And as Mike said, you know, bringing other big name players back to Tonga means a, a huge amount for them. So I, I'm excited about seeing them. I think that's the beauty of World Cup. Rugby fans, we're used to URC and European Cups here, but you're seeing styles of rugby in countries that we don't normally see that often. And we have to remember that sometimes when they play in Autumn Internationals, they're only together maybe for a couple of weeks. But these Tongan, Fijian, Samoan teams, they're, to, they're with each other now all through the summer. They've had the most time together than they would have had in the last four years. So they'll be able to work a huge amount together, and 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 I think the standard of rugby, and the in these uh, so-called weaker nations has improved a huge amount. The standard, like this, is probably going to be the most competitive World Cup we've seen, and um, you know teams like that will, will make that. You know, and I'm looking forward to seeing those specific island teams play because I just think you just don't know what you're going to get with them, and you know we see what with Fiji did to England in Twickenham. Um, that's just incredible for for the for world rugby and you know seeing new teams coming in like Chile and um, like that it's just it's it's showing the game is spreading and it's getting more popular. It could be a bit of a wild uh, other side of the draw, couldn't it, Mike Ross? Uh, England, uh, Australia, Wales, none of them really firing. Maybe difficult to turn it around in a short space of time. And as Marcus said, there are Fiji, Argentina, Michael Check is there now. There could be some upsets. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like uh, it was incredible what Fiji did over in England. You know, they never stopped playing, and um, left England a bit shell shocked after it. To be honest, looking at it, yeah, look, I mean, I, they haven't been firing, but you know, England and Australia could still might reach a World Cup semi final quite handily. Yeah, you know, uh, but it might be a good opportunity for Fiji. I don't know if they've have they been in the World Cup quarter finals before. Um, that's a good question. And it's not coming straight to my mind. <laughs> yeah, to be honest. but it could, yeah, could, there, there could be some good history made here. I know Samoa know? have, but uh, yeah. Fiji off the top of my head, I'm not yeah. sure. Um, let's um, let's call it as we see it, uh, Alison. Are we going to bring it? Are we going to bring our best selves this World Cup as Irish uh, people and as an Irish team? And what's your prediction in terms of how far we'll go? Um, we're set up, I think, to, and it's it's now or never to get to the final. I'm going to say it here now. And to win it? Right. Uh, if we get to the final, we can win it. Okay. But we, it, it doesn't really matter. If, if, we, if we get to the final, we need to be whoever is in front of us. So I think, yeah, if we're in the final, we can win it. Big call. <laughs> Alison, you, you, you're brave. Marcus Horan, are you as brave? What, what now you or never. 
what you see in terms of can we bring it to this World Cup after nine times disappointing and what's your prediction? Yeah, look, my heart always says we can. Like, I, I just I just think there's incredible preparation gone into this. I think we we definitely have a group of players that can do it. Um, and I think you do need a little bit of luck. I mean, Mike talks about 2015. I mean, the luck that was against us in that in that World Cup was just ridiculous with regards to injuries. Um, so I think we can. I think we have the capabilities of doing it. My 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 head says that. I think South Africa are going to be very, very strong. I think they're the team to beat. And I'm not overly worried that if we don't beat them in the group, but it might even be better if we had to meet them again later on that if we've lost that one. Um, and I think that could be the winning for us if we've lost the, the group game and meet them again. We, we, we would beat them again, and I think they're the team to beat. So my heart says we'll win it. OK, what what does your heart and your head say to you, Mike, about our turn it up there and also where we're going to go we're either going out in the quarters or we're winning us nothing in between <laughs> do you hear that certainty from Mike Ross <laughs> Alison and Marcus thanks so much for joining us on the Saturday panel we'll speak to you soon cheers John Mike Ross yeah. best luck with the Jiu Jitsu and the, and the disciplinary work you're doing and thanks so much for coming into us thanks thanks for having me Mike Ross there on uh, the rugby preview it's uh, Sheffield United 2 Everton 2 in the Premier League. We're going to look forward to all of that on Football Saturday in terms of discussing the outcome of that game and, and going through a lot more besides with Mark Lawrence and Johnny Ward and Shane Keegan between 3 and 5. But between now and 3, we're going to maybe, kind of, I suppose, bring you up to date on the Vera Powell story after her departure as Republic of Ireland uh, women's team manager. And we'll also speak to Fran Berry, the former Group 1 flat jockey on the Irish Champions Festival, which takes place next weekend. So don't go away. Off the Ball Saturday on News Talk is back after these short messages. Off the Ball Daily.